Imagine's Coaling Studio is where efficiency meets creativity. Our new integrated solution brings together our next level coaling algorithm along with in-app reviewing and AI editing in a single intuitive platform. Tailored for photographers who value both speed and personalized quality results, Imagine strives to enhance every aspect of your post-production process. Open the Imagine app and give the new Coaling Studio a try today. I could do it. I wanted to do it. And when, when I drove home afterwards, I felt like so strangely happy and, and warm. And I think it's then that I saw that I didn't capture this grief. Workflows is a podcast about saving you time and money in your photography business. As a photographer and content creator who struggles with dyslexia, colorblindness, introversion, and anxiety stemming from years of being bullied as a child. Workflows have been my rock. I have workflows for every aspect of my life, and that's why I'm so happy to bring you Workflows, a podcast presented by Imagine. As a company dedicated to saving you time and money in your photography business, it makes sense to enhance and expand the conversation to all things Workflows. Tune in and subscribe to hear stories, strategies, and tools that could be your rock. Hear from people just like you, Put the camera down for a little, connect the headphones, and get to work with workflows. Get in on the conversation by joining the Imagine community today. Imagine the possibilities. Jacqueline Duchant is a photographer from Amsterdam, known for her candid, documentary approach. Her expressive photography is about capturing special moments, interactions, and emotions between people. Since her mom died in 2015, she has been passionate about end-of-life and farewell photography. No one forgets to have pictures taken at their wedding. Her mission is that people won't forget photography in hard times either. She is committed to capturing reality and has an eye for spontaneous, once-in-a-lifetime moments that feel honest. Her images are intimate and sometimes funny, always telling a true story. All photos are made in relaxed, sympathetic, and unobtrusive ways. Jacqueline has received several awards, such as Fearless, WPGA, PANL, and PX3, and has been honored to participate in the jury of several prestigious photography contests. She is also the owner of the Full Monty Workshop, an intensive year-long training for photographers who want to take a more documentary and storytelling approach. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Jacqueline. Hello, Jacqueline. Hi, Scott. Hi. How Hi. are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. I'm very excited about this conversation. Um, so this is a very different episode than what we normally do for the show. And I'm very excited that you're the first person to have a one of these special episodes that I don't even have a name for it yet, but it will have a name before it goes live. <laughs> so I'm going to get right into it. My first question to you is what inspired you to pursue end of life photography? Yeah, that's that was really personal. She uh, my mom, sorry, my mom died in 2016 and she got ill in 2015 and it started with a, a seizure. And she had a lot of friends who kept on calling me how to ask how she was doing. And I, I didn't have time for that. I had a family, I had my work, I had my, 
my mom and dad, I had to go to the hospital with them. And so I started making a blog, you know, and every, everything that I thought was interesting for, for everybody to know, I just put in a blog, I made some pictures, and so that saved me a lot of time. And in the week after her funeral, or yeah, in the week after her funeral, a friend of mine, a wedding photographer, he asked if I could document the burial of his father. And before that, I, I did think about documenting funerals, but it felt really weird. You know, I didn't understand why I would want to capture the grief of, of, of something like that. And so I never followed up on that. And then he asked it and sure, I wanted to do it. And then I, after the funeral, when I drove home, you know, and it was the same week, the week after the cremation of my mom, I drove home and I felt very strangely like at peace and warm and happy. And, and I realized that I didn't capture the grief, but the more the good moments and the love and remembering all the beautiful stories about the one about his dad. And so yeah. that was the first moment that I, you know, that I realized what it could mean. And then about six months later, I saw the, the blog post, the, the blog again that I made for the friends of my mom. And that was really weird because I realized that I, I completely forgot all the good moments that we had, you know, it's, it's, it was really special to realize that all the memories were gone and I got them back be, because I, I was watching the pictures and, and reading the stories I made. So that was really special. And for me, that was a, a realization of how important it can be to capture the hard times. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I'm sure that going from being a wedding photographer to now this giant switch, which is like the complete opposite end of this, of the emotion spectrum for, for your clients, you know, I'm sure that 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 you know hits hits you pretty hard. And we're gonna we're gonna dive into how you handle this kind of thing and and all that comes with it. So my next question then is, what do you hope that your clients take away from? your images that you're providing to them? Well, it's the same as, as my own experience. Is I hope they, they remember the good moments they had. That's one thing. I know that some people feel, get strength, feel strengthened by looking at these pictures. And when it's for a funeral, it might be a second chance to, to relive the day of the funeral. And that sounds really weird. Why would you remember, want to remember the day of the funeral? But that's also can be very comforting. You know, it's mm -hmm. for here in the Netherlands, it's usually about a week after after somebody dies that that there's a funeral and there's a lot of things to to arrange and people are really tired after this week. And, you know, you don't remember all the people that were there and you can see all the things that are happening, you know, it's just like, it's just you and there's, but there's so many people and it can be really helpful to, uh, to look at pictures and feel the love again and the, the support you get. The, it's also the celebrating of the life somebody had. That's really, can, can really help. Well, it, it's, it helps coping with the love, the loss of a loved one, you know, it's, it's, and also I think 
one of the things that can really help is if you have like a small album, a small or a big one, but uh, mm-hmm. so if somebody has a small album, you can take it with you and it's, it makes it so much easier to talk about a funeral or somebody that, that passed away. But it makes, it, it makes it so much easier to talk about somebody who died and about a funeral. So when, it, when you think about wedding photography, quite often you're, uh, as a photographer, you're, you're getting some photos from the distance and then you're sometimes getting in there while everybody's dancing and you're up close and you try to be a part of the event but also not distract from the bride and groom's big day and things like that. So much is involved. But when it comes to funeral photography, end of life photography, these, which are, like I said earlier, like the complete opposite end of the emotion spectrum, how do you capture such honest moments in a way where you're comfortable and the people are comfortable and you're still getting fantastic photos that tell that story? How do you do that in such an honest way? Well, I'm not really sure. It's it's completely the opposite um, spectrum of, of emotions because on a wedding, there's very often sad moments because people are missing Mm -hmm. and like i said it's there's a lot of thinking of good memories and laughter at a at a a funeral but for me it's very important to connect with people before if possible you know to if possible get to know a little bit more about the family and and the one that's passed away so it makes it easier to capture pictures that have more meaning and it sometimes can be hard you know sometimes I I get booked by the family directly and sometimes by a funeral director Mm -hmm. and those are sometimes can be very protective and I do understand why but it's not if I don't I I don't agree with them they they think sometimes it's it's too much for the family to also talk with with a photographer about the photography and that that can be true but I I think the family should decide it themselves. And my experience is that most of the time they they really like, love talking about this, the one who passed away, you know, so and the story and what they mean to, to them and what they're going to do at the funeral. So, yeah, so that's that can be a problem if if the director protects the, the family. But yeah, so for me, it's getting to know them. That's that's the the main thing yeah and when you're when you're photographing these these type of you know funerals for example or if you're in somebody's house photographing an end of life situation what's your equipment like like what are you what are you using i know this is like the the more nerdy part of photography but <laughs> it's, it's so interesting for somebody who's never considered doing this type of thing it's so interesting to think like what how would you handle it what was it, is the equipment going to be different? So can you talk a little bit about what you bring with you, what you're using on a regular basis? Yeah, sure. I don't use flash. That's one thing. And I have a, a camera, a mirrorless camera that is completely silent. So for me, that's the reason that I, I changed cameras when I when I started doing this uh, photography. And then I use 24-70 and 135 low light lenses, if that's the word for it. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to to make good quality pictures in low light situations. And I think I don't really work in a different way than I would at a wedding. So I have a journalistic approach, I think, to to moments and interactions that I capture. 
I mentioned, or I was, I, I was alluding to this earlier, the fact that I wanted to dive a little bit into the impact it might play on you. So I wonder, how do you handle the emotional impact that these type of things can could put on you? Things that you're witnessing at, at a, you know, in these events regularly. I know that you, you, you keep saying it's not too similar to weddings, or it's it's similar to weddings in in many aspects. To me. It doesn't feel that way to me. I don't. I know. I don't think I could handle it. But so I'm wondering how you handle it. Yeah. No. Sure. It is different. It is different. But my approach is not different. And because it's, the strange thing is that I I don't handle funerals very well. You know, if if I if I attend a funeral that I'm usually crying a lot. And so it's it's not that I I can switch off my emotions. So also at a funeral I do cry usually when when everybody's crying and so nobody will notice because you know there's something happening nobody's paying attention to me but part of it is you know you 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 I want to make good quality pictures so I'm looking at the framing and my aperture and the shutter speed and I think that's you know the camera is between me and the emotion so that that helps yeah. and and I think it's also helped that I that I know the value of what I'm doing so yeah, this may, might be also be a filter, you know. It's it's yeah, it is different, yeah. but but yeah. yeah. I, I could definitely see the camera and the lens, you know, being in front of your face for a lot of those you know jobs, and the fact that it is a job being a good blocker to, um, as it, if you were there as a as a guest, if you were there as somebody grieving, um, yeah. uh, that would be much, much more difficult. Yeah, well, sure. I think I, you know, if, if I, if it wouldn't touch me emotionally mm -hmm. anymore, then, then I would quit, stop doing it. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. And, yeah, and that goes with anything. Like if you're yeah. not, if you're not, if you're not feeling it, like something, some sort of emotion mm -hmm. from it, then that's. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. Definitely. Because end of life photography is often during these dark days and funerals, during dark days for families. Can you describe your editing style? And Imagine does editing, so we've got to, we've got to talk about editing a little bit. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> can, you, can you describe your editing style and like your methodology for it, for, for these jobs, for these sessions? Because I think the first gut reaction that people would have is, oh, it's a funeral. These are going to be black and white, and they're going to be nice, deep blacks and vibrant bright whites, the super high contrast, or or this dark and moody color style. So talk about what you do for your edits. Well, I don't do black and white <laughs> for my, never. But no, I, I like color and, you know, my picture will be be clean, natural, colorful, maybe on the warm side. If, if there's like a, it's not a filter, but you know, I like the warm feeling for the yeah. for the funeral photo the end of life photography yeah so that's 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 my editing style <laughs> awesome and at the end of the show we'll ask you to share your website and we'll definitely link it in the show notes everybody will be able to go and look at you know the way that you photograph you, these these events and 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 the way that you edit them with imagine so earlier you you mentioned one of the challenges that you face which is sometimes the fact that it's the families that are hiring you and not like the funeral directors and planners that are that are hiring you and that could be challenging so can you go into some of the challenges either digging in deeper into that or a different challenge whatever you want faced with end-of-life funerals and, and these 
I think one of the things that I'm that is a challenge for me is that there's still a taboo on end of life photography. People that know about it find it hard to suggest it to others. And I think it's because they are afraid that somebody thinks it's a strange question, where I think it might also be the case that people in after, because I hear a lot people feeling sad that they didn't know about this photography. And if they had known, they would have pictures now. And so the whole idea of not asking them because it might be a weird question it has two sides you know so that's mm -hmm. that's one of the yeah. challenges that i'm facing you know like practical you can't use flash that's a challenge sometimes it's people on a, in a funeral you know the the family is the one that's highest uh, me but there's a lot of other people with a lot of grief and crying and they didn't ask for me you know so that's also right. a challenge sometimes and i think that's Usually when, when the funeral director tells the guests, like there's a, a photographer and uh, because the family asks for it and to document for their own use, then it's usually no problem. And yeah, I was going to say, yeah. how, how often do you, when like a funeral planner, a funeral director announce that to, to, to everybody that, you know, the family hired a photographer, how often do you see somebody say, no, I don't want to be photographed and leave or, or. Hardly ever. Oh, that's good. Sometimes, that's good. you know, yeah, sometimes when they pay the last respects so or they, they walk, I and I don't know if that's like a cultural thing, but you know, you walk past the co coffin mm -hmm. and then you can pay your respects. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes I, I see somebody holding up the hand, you know, for like, no, but that's okay. Right. You know, then I don't make a, uh, a picture. But no, that's it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's important that if anybody is going to get into this, from my point of view, to respect somebody's privacy, where if they are a guest there and they are grieving and they put up their hand or whatever, don't like force the photo. Just no. respect it and wait for the next sure. person. Sure. Yeah. 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 And it's also I'm I'm not there to capture all the guests. Right. You know, that's that's not what I'm doing. Right. I'm 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 finding the interactions and the story of the of the day itself. So yeah, sure. If if somebody doesn't yeah. want to be in the pictures, then I won't. Uh, then then I'll stop photographing them. Yeah. yeah. So, what would you say if you had one minute to recommend to a photographer to get into this niche? Well, I'd start with saying, just don't do it for the money. I think you have to really have your heart in it mm. and start with getting familiar on what happens on a funeral. You know, I think I'd start with getting in touch with uh, funeral directors and see if you can document their day. So you will have some pictures. Of course, you would have to be able to use some of them to get some kind of portfolio. It can be maybe a hidden portfolio, but that you can show to other funeral directors or maybe at families if, if they ask for it. Mm -hmm. uh, but also to to get familiar about all the the moments that they're in a in a day of the funeral. Like for here in the Netherlands, sometimes you can go to uh, like the oven. So how does it work? And and where would you stand if you would make pictures and but also, so that's that's really at the end, right? So in the start, mm -hmm. there's the there's the uh, the car and the coffin going going in and out, and how can you make pictures of that? So it has um, 
very often it has same repetitive moments as like a wedding would have a first view and a ring. You know, there's, there's moments that you, that there's happen. There's expected moments. There's yes. expected moments and then there's yeah. the unexpected that you have yeah. to be ready for. And, yeah, and, and the good thing is for, a, I never have somebody saying to me, like, why I, I miss a picture where I'm, I don't know, closing the, the, the gasket or something, you know, that that's, we you don't have that kind of expected moments to, to photograph. But yeah, I think it's it's good to to get familiar with those moments and where you can stand to capture, like to capture the story. So for one thing, if, if, if a coffin goes in or out of the car, I usually open a side door so I can make a picture from within the car outside where I can see the faces of the, of the ones carrying it. And, you know, it takes a while to get to know about those moments and, and where to stand. Yeah. So get familiar. And also, I think I'd start with a funeral director. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, I might even recommend, tell me if, if this is not good where, for, where you know, in the Netherlands, but, but if I was getting into it, I might actually contact someone like you who's already doing it and be perfectly honest saying, I'm getting into this niche. I'm just starting out. Haven't even built up my portfolio yet. I'm looking to, to start doing it. If you happen to get an inquiry and you're already booked, could you refer somebody to me for, to get started? Like, I'm not trying to compete with you, but you know, yeah. if you don't have anything available, you know, that kind of thing. Um, well, you, you could try that, but that will be really hard, I think, because for me, it wouldn't work because I, I would want to know that you would be able to document a day like mm. that because you can be such a good wedding photographer, but doesn't necessarily mean that you can be a good farewell right. photographer and a life photographer right, right. because you really need to feel that you can be somewhere. You know, you have to feel that you're allowed to be in the moment of, of grief and it's very intimate. Yeah. So, so if, if somebody would come to me like, Hey, I just thought this is a great idea. Just let me do some, if you can't, um, yeah. no, that wouldn't work for me. Work. <laughs> no, no. All right. No. <laughs> so <laughs> speaking of intimate though, you describe your images or have described your images as intimate and sometimes fun and funny. Can you talk more about the fun and funny part of that statement? Yes, I can. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I think it's, it's a review or something on fearless photographers, mm -hmm. but it's not from the time of my farewell or end of life photography, right. but it's uh, still in a wedding. So like one example I have is it's a wedding of, uh, I think it's the fourth wedding of the, of the bride. And I don't know about the groom, but anyway, a long story, but we're walking on a place where there's a windmill and the, the bride said, you know, I can, I can just climb in the blades of the, of the windmill if you want me to. I said, well, if you want to, I, I will, I will make a picture if you, if you climb into it. And then, but she had this very short skirt, maybe because of her first, fourth uh, wedding. I don't know. <laughs> it was a very short skirt skirt and so she cl she climbed into the blades of this windmill and then her sister who was walking with her told me like hey photographer just move away a little bit because you're photographing under her skirt like her underwear and and the bride said no 
this is it's okay and and for me i i didn't want to capture her underwear i wanted to crop it like from the top mm-hmm. uh, and then the sister decided to to make sure that i couldn't photograph her <laughs> underwear so she she like it's almost like she put in her fist in in the like under the skirts <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. and for me so that's i thought it was a very funny moment but it's also mm. telling the story about the i think i'm not really sure if she was about 50 or something but it was still like the big sister looking mm. out for her younger sister you know for this bad photographer and also the husband <laughs> he was smiling like everything was so funny yeah so so i like i like if there's more in in a in a picture than just what happens. It's it, yeah. Mm. This tells really about this sister, and it's a funny, funny moment. But also, yeah. you know, on a funeral, there's there's also a lot of, well, not per se funny things happening, but there's a lot of laughter and yeah. interesting moments. And so, for in, for instance, there's this coffin where a lot of kids are drawing on the sides, and then there's not much space left on the on the coffin itself and then one of the kids is going lies down on the floor to start drawing on the on the bottom of the coffin can you imagine what i'm like so yeah, she's yeah, lying yeah. under the coffin and that's also that's not maybe funny but it's sort of because he has naked feet and it's i don't know i like i like the story and uh, it def- yeah. that definitely adds some fun to a to a funeral to a funeral photo, right sure. yeah, yeah 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 and it's i think it's yeah. also so interesting to see that kids you know they have they haven't learned that you m- might not do that kind of thing <laughs> yeah i don't see a, a, an, an adult lying under a coffin to draw something right. Yeah, although that yeah. would be funnier. That would be funnier. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funnier, yes. Yeah. I, I, so I, I shared with you previously that uh, when my grandmother died um, in June, um, sh- her, her request for her funeral was to not have anybody dressed in suits, nothing too formal. She wanted it to be fun, literally music at the, at the graveside. And, you know, Hawaiian shirts and flowers and nothing, nothing dark and dreary, no sadness, just fun to celebrate how fun her you know she how much she enjoyed her life and so i when it came time for everybody to do their speeches or say what they wanted to say i i prepared something i pulled up my phone started crying my eyes out before i could even start and i had a couple funny things throughout throughout this speech and it was very you know it, it, was, it felt really good to, to like get it out and I you know, eventually stopped crying, but there was a lot of laughter throughout while I was talking. And so there's definitely some, some fun moments that happened there. But uh, you just actually reminded me of something else that happened at the same funeral for my grandmother because the kids, my, ki- my, my kids and my niece and nephew, painted rocks purple, which was her favorite color. And in for uh, Jewish funerals, a lot of times, you throw scoop with a shovel. Each person who's there at the at the graveside will scoop the dirt back in. Yeah. You know, one by one, you take turns, and you then you put the rocks on top when everything's done. And we, the kids, took the rocks painted purple and threw threw them on the casket before the dirt was in there. So she was buried with 
rocks painted purple by her great yeah. friend because which was really <laughs> really beautiful yeah so. yeah yeah that reminds me of, of another story is that there was a, a a funeral and next to the um the, the coffin was already lowered and next to it was a like a huge pile of sand but because it's can be so confronting this funeral location had a green like a fake grass Tarp? Uh, oh, oh, yes, like yes. yeah, yeah, on top of it. So it so okay. it wouldn't really show as a lot of heap of sand, and but the kids found out that if they jumped on, then the sand would just like spill out on the on the bottom, <laughs> and and then they would grab it and throw it in the in the on top of the casket. Yeah, <laughs> kids can have fun, and yeah, it's it's very interesting. They can have this moment of sadness and. And, and continue playing. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you want to share another like memorable moment that you've captured over the years doing this? Mm. Yeah, I have maybe two of them. Sure. Well, memorable, I'm not sure if you like, I have a funny thing that I'm thinking of now and but also a very intimate moment that I that I think of. And okay, maybe should start with the with the, the first one, the end of life memory that I have. Sure. That was I was asked to document the end of life of a woman, she had a brain tumor. And they first thought that she was going to live another four months. And in the end, it was two weeks maybe and so they had this I'm not sure how to call it but like a subscription kind of thing so they would call me whenever something would happen to see if I if I could capture those moments and so they called me the evening that they decided on the date of the euthanasia because the her husband would be there and her two daughters and two good friends to talk about the the funeral so how the funeral would take place. So she had a really a big say in it. And that was really very intimate mm-hmm. and very beautiful to, to, to document. So, you know, uh, talking about what kind of clothes she was like. So they were showing the dresses like, do you want to wear this or do you want to de- wear that when, when you're in this open casket? What kind of music she wanted to play, the text that would be on the, the cards that would be sent to the friends and family to invite for the funeral. That's not like this funny story, right? But it's it, it was very memorable for me um, to also very, you know, felt very honored to be to be in a evening like that was very intimate and very yeah. special. And later on, they, the husband told me that he he got very much strength about those kind of pictures because she was very strong at that moment mm. and it helped him after she died. And Beautiful. then, uh, yeah. And another thing that comes to mind is the funeral of a 22-year-old girl. She had a brain tumor and she decided she wanted to have a, a costume party for her. It was the day before she was uh, cremated with a lot of friends and family. And so there was Snow White and a bear and a, a fireman and the Pirates of the Caribbean and everybody was there. So that was very special. And all her friends, they were very young, but they had so many nice or very good speeches that was amazing so it was a very special funeral to document Mm -hmm. but i knew they the 
So I was booked until four or something. And I knew that they had to leave the patient at 4.30. And it was already 4.15. And then I think one of my cards was full. And, uh, and my bag was on the other side of the, the room. And so I decided to just make from two cameras, one camera. So I switched cards and switched lenses and I don't know. And then the father of the girl who died uh, proposed to her mom on stage because they said they wanted to get married with all the kids, kids still, still there. And so it was, you know, not a really official wedding, but mm -hmm. sort of it was. And um, so the son and the daughter and then the open caskets, mm -hmm. the dead so their daughter was there as well and i was so happy that i still had enough battery and and space on my card left and then the dad in the end said like i i thought it was so funny i didn't i, I didn't want to tell you before I, I wanted to see the surprise on your face for this uh, for this moment so yeah that was really strange a yeah a wedding at a funeral <laughs> a wedding at a funeral yeah so and yeah yeah that's really hard to top that one i think it is, yeah. yeah it's very hard to top that i i can't see that it happening ever again but then again you never know that could happen you never know again for you. <laughs> yeah you've got you're you're photographing these very very difficult situations and there's a lot that is involved in it and you are using imagine to to help your post-production i'm wondering if you can share how has imagine played a role in your post-production workflow for these jobs well, it's I have a much quicker workflow and especially for funerals, I feel it's so important to deliver the pictures as soon as possible. I do believe that it's much easier to look at, at those pictures when you're still in this bubble of, of grief and funeral than, than if you would wait for a month or so. So what I, what I do is I capture the funeral one day and then the next day I will curl the images, send them to Imagine and then send a collection of like 12 pictures or so to a lab nearby and then have the, the album ready. So it's the day after the funeral. So usually they will have a, a mini, it's like a preview album, you know, a mini album of, until they have like a big one within two or three days. And then I already have the, the, uh, the gallery ready, but I will wait a couple of days, you know, first day need to see the album before I mm. send the gallery. Yeah. But it's, it, it, that's, that wouldn't have been possible before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So outside of, of your photography itself, how has Imagine impacted your life? Well, as I'm a freelance a photographer, everything that influences my work influences my life. So it saves me a lot of time in my work. So I get a lot of more time in my life. <laughs> and the, the risk is a little bit that I, that I use that to work more, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's something that I still have to work on. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, yeah it's, we it saves we gave a lot. You the time back to, to yeah. take on more work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, where can listeners learn more about you, connect with you, see your incredible photography? On my website and on my Instagram. <laughs> you want me to? So, it's uh, Jacqueline Deschamps on Instagram. And it's, I know it's going to sound really bad for non Dutch people. It's, it's Afscheid. <laughs> 
afscheid tot jacquelinedergeant.com, which is my end of life and, and funeral website. Yeah. And can you also share a bit about your mentorship program that you have? Yes, yeah, sure, I can. It's I'm I'm mentoring photographers one on one, but also uh, through the uh, Full Monty Workshop, which is a program that I'm that is in is with, with groups, and it has a couple of weeks, another couple of days, and then another week that we all get together and get assignments. And I think it's one of the nicest things in what I do to to mentor. Yeah. Not, yeah, maybe the, not the nicest, but I, it's it's it gives me so much energy. Yeah. 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 It. it yeah. I. I totally totally get that. Whenever I'm mentoring a photographer, it it it, it boosts you. It boosts your yeah, what it you does. do. Yeah. 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 I. I'm. A, I. I study or practice and train in karate in an art called gojuru, and I'm now at the level where my instructor is asking me to help teach whenever there's not enough higher ranks mm -hmm. to to teach, and he always says that he loves to teach because it makes him a better student. Well, that's true, yeah. Teaching yeah. really teaches you a lot about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, my last question to you before we wrap this up. What do you love doing when not worrying about your photography business, thanks to Imagine? I know you're always worrying about your photography business. <laughs> but I do, when yeah. Those little moments when you're not thinking about it, what do you love to do? Well, if I can stop myself working more <laughs> with this right free time, I, I do love to go to the spa, love reading dystopian book and also pulp novels <laughs> that I, you know, I like sometimes when this, when I can switch off my brain to read books that I don't have to think about where I left it or where, you know, it's just stupid stories. And I, I have some lessons of the ukulele, ukulele lessons and singing lessons. And singing, for me, I love to do it. I've loved it all my life, but I, I only do it when there's nobody at home. So I wanted to be good enough to not be ashamed of singing out loud sometimes <laughs> when there is somebody in the neighborhood. So, yeah, I love doing that. Definitely. That's so awesome. That's so <laughs> awesome. One day when you feel confident and comfortable enough, you'll have to... You have, I'll come you have and to have sing an here. Call and and you can perform for everybody. Yes. <laughs> Someday. Yes. Someday. <laughs> That'd be fun. Thank you so much for for this awesome conversation for 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 inspiring everybody for sharing your knowledge with everybody about this very different genre of photography that is not talked about nearly and so I'm yeah. I'm glad that we're able to to talk about it today. Um, yeah, I, so thank, thank you. you so much. I'm I'm honored to be here. And yes, it's it, it. There isn't talk about it enough. So I really hope this kind of photography will will be more known. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for that amazing conversation. I really think that you will inspire anybody who has been considering getting into this type of photography. It is something not talked about nearly enough in the industry. So I want to thank you again for sharing your knowledge and diving deeper into this topic. You have been listening to Workflows, presented by Imagine. To hear more from Workflows and to find a link to our guest, please go to imagine-ai.com slash podcast. Be a part of the conversation by joining the Imagine community at imagine-ai.com slash community. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time.